Today's episode of Puck Soup is sponsored by SeatGeek, the smartest way to find hockey tickets this season or postseason. There's nothing like being behind the glass of the biggest matchups of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. If your team is out of the playoff picture, you're going to want to find the best deals on remaining tickets for home games. If your team is blessed with being a playoff team, you're going to want to find tickets because they're going to be hard to find for the playoffs. This is why I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to buy hockey tickets. I could be anywhere and with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. The thing I love about SeatGeek is you always get the best deal on every ticket because they price compare for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. They get you more bang for your buck. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all for you guys is that Puck Soup listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you do. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code SOUP, that spells soup, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the app. Settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code SOUP, as in fuck soup, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. You're going to need this for the playoffs, people, to find the best ticket prices and the best ticket deals and also tickets. Download the SeatGeek app today, enter the promo code SOUP, and get $20 back. And now, enjoy the show. Now entering Nerdist.com. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sportly commentary to an FM commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. <sighs> I'm Greg Wyshynski of Yahoo Sports Puck Daddy Blog. And I'm Dave. And, um... I don't know. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. I like that high energy reaction, folks. Yeah. And you're in puck soup. You may be in a fire alarm in a few moments, according to the announcement we just heard. Which is part of our new segment, Fire Takes. (laughs) Brought to you by the New York Fire Department. It's part of our new segment called Fleeing a Burning Building. Today's fire take, Cam Talbot deserves the Vezina. Whoa. Waka, waka, whoa. I have a hot take. Uh, LeBron isn't a born leader, but Tim (laughs) Tebow is a born leader. Jose Bautista is not the kind of guy I want on my team. I want a Mark Trumbo. My favorite thing about Skip Bayless these days is the Richard <laughs> the Richard Deitch uh, thing where he's tweeting out the ratings for other shows oh, in relation a, to the Fox Sports One show. Disagree. I, oh, I, it's oh, the, I, it's the I, worst come on. bit going. It's it's a horrible bit because it lacks context and it's completely trolling. But when he puts like <laughs> oh, <laughs> like today today's was Fox Sports One like like the Skip Bayless show had like. 59,000 viewers, and fucking, like, Gunsmoke had, like, 250,000. But, like, we know why. It's because old retired fucks in Oklahoma are watching Gunsmoke. Right. But, but still, it's, it's funny, though. It's, uh, it's funny in, it in, a, the first in, a, time. in a plus-minus kind of way. If, if you did that every day after a guy signed a four-year, $27 million contract to point out how somebody has more goals or assists or points or touchdowns, I would fucking kill you by day four. It, it's, it's, it's enough. We get it. No one's... But he's got a contract. He's... Skip Bayless does not give a fuck that Gunsmoke or fucking SpongeBob. SpongeBob. That's the other one he uses yeah. a lot. SpongeBob. <laughs> like Skip Bayless could give three wet farts into the wind about those ratings. He's he's getting paid either way, and like I just uh, it, it's just so 
I, I see it retweeted once a week, and I just I, I I get it. No one's watching Skip Bayless. It's it's great. It's great that no one's watching him. It's like Donald Trump jokes. Like I hate Donald Trump, but at the same time, I don't care how often Donald Trump made fun of Obama golfing. I don't care. I get it. I understand the hypocrisy. Don't need to see it every day. So hockey, Greg. Patrick the Starfish is a born leader, but LeBron <laughs> isn't a born leader. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen A. Smith's a ratings leader. Skip Bayless isn't. I'll say one thing about Trump. <laughs> okay. I don't like the man at all, as you know. I think everybody on this podcast knows where me and Dave stand on the president. But I will say this. Right on his dick. From a pure... Stomp. From, from, the, as, from the, as, the only reason I could see somebody voting for him is, is sort of a, a wish fulfillment thing. Like, I wish that, that I could be this guy who can get away with everything in life and grab him by the you-know-what and do everything and, and be rich and not actually be rich but pretend you're rich by putting gold lame on everything. Like, I could see a wish fulfillment reason why you'd want to be in this guy's camp. I also see a reason why you would be in an actual camp if you're not the right color or gay. But that's a few years down the line. It's actually like two weeks away. Sure. <laughs> sure. I will say this. The Washington Capitals held Russian Heritage Night this week. If Donald Trump, after eight years of, of Barack Obama not attending an NHL game, if Donald Trump attended an NHL game in his first two months and uh, three months in office and it was Russian Heritage Night at the Washington Capitals, given the current context, there would be a point zero 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 seventeen more zeros times three more zeros one increase in respect for the man for his ability to troll if he had done that so is he trolling obama or is he trolling america he's trolling america he's trolling america and and his enemies by and at the height of the russian investigation being the president who showed up at 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 a hockey game in washington on Russian Heritage Night, despite being the guy who was elected because of the Russians. Yeah, I, I would enjoy that. I, I, I would hope that T.J. Oshie would, would strangle him to death with an American flag while, while Alex Ovechkin sang the Russian National Anthem over it. 17,000 zeros and then a one if after the game he posed with Ovechkin while Ovechkin wore a MAGA hat. <laughs> I would I would just throw I would just throw Twitter away at that point. How do you think he feels about away. How do you think he feels about Trump? Because he's such a Putin guy. Like Putin, you know, Trump's Putin's guy. Well, Ovechkin's a rich white dude who plays. He's a, who's from Russia. He likes Trump. There's no way he doesn't like. You're Trump. probably right. Yeah. There's 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 no there's no there's no ifs ands. That's why you never want to peel back the layers of the onion and find out how these guys really feel about politics because you you'd, you'd right. be. You'd be so upset. Like every time somebody gets so upset when somebody makes like an off-color joke on Twitter, times that by a billion when you actually realize what these people think about. Like, oh my god, it would just be it would just be endless because like <laughs> you would get it from like your political follows, you would get it from your sports follows, and it would just never ever. And like any time Ovechkin did something, it would just be like, oh god, it's fine. It's okay. I'm sorry I bought up Trump. I could see you're despondent now. No, I'm just thinking about. Just thinking about how the season's not over. Talk yet. about politics. It's the longest season. It's just so long. Well, the World Cup of Hockey probably made it seem even longer. There's still two weeks to go in the season. Know, the thing about the thing about the length of the season, obviously, oh. is that you always have to be concerned about you know the players getting enough rest and stuff, and that's why you know the quality of competition in the NHL is completely disrupted in a negative way when there's an Olympic break, according to Gary Bettman this week. Right. Of, of all the things, you, you, another thing too. I, I don't get this as well. Before we do the Olympics, 
in baseball, they do the World Baseball Classic every year. Why, why don't we do the World Cup every year? Why is that not? A, why is that? Why is that not on the table? Why is that not a thing? Like it took the World Baseball Classic like eight nine years to get to the point now where people actually care about it. If you do the World Cup every four years or even every two years, like no one's ever going to give a shit about it ever. People are going to forget about it for a year or three. Why not just do it every year? Well, I think they want to make it like an actual. It's not. It's not the they're, Olympics, they're, Gary. They're trying to make it an actual Stop like it. World Cup type thing. Well, who cares? What do you mean a World Cup type? Play it every year. What baseball? World Baseball Classic. It's got a W and a C in there. It's basically a World Cup, only it's a classic cup. And they do it every year, and like it's it's just, and you you get more people into it if you do it yearly. You do you, if you if you make it this fucking every four years thing, and don't let them go play in the Olympics. Like no one's gonna give a shit about it. No one's ever gonna care. I just don't get how hockey does stuff, man. It's just so perplexing to me. I know. Listen, the latest Olympic stuff this week is pretty amazing. You have Rene Fasal saying that if the NHL doesn't come to Korea, they can't just go to China. Negotiations will be much different. To which I say that unless the uh, the IOC decides to blow up its Olympic tournament and try something completely different, you're basically going to have the best hockey league in the world with a 18 month spread of, of time to shit all over the Olympics and call it an inferior tournament. This is why you need NHL players. This is what happens when you don't meet our demands. Like, if you go, if you don't change the tournament to like four on four or something, like, it's totally going to bomb. It's going to bomb. No one's going to give a shit. Yeah. You're right. So uh, yeah. this idea that they can, they can dig their heels in and be like, huh. and then the other part of it too that's hilarious is that like they're basically saying, well, you know, if you don't go to South Korea because you don't want to do this anymore, then you won't be able to go to China despite, you right. know, not wanting to do this anymore. Right. Like, if you don't eat your, if you, if you don't eat your meat... You can't have your pudding. You can't How can pudding. you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat? Yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna go. This is the same I think they're going to go, too. It's a negotiation point. That's the thing, too, is, like, I'm just so exhausted by this every day. Like, yesterday or two days ago, somebody was like, breaking. Gary Bettman says, low level of interest in sending players. Yeah, breaking. I, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the news before that. Wow. That, thanks for the breaking news that you got a quote from when Gary Bettman was in your town and you put it on Twitter and said breaking. Like, it's the, it's the same thing you did. It's the same thing they do for every negotiation where they want to dick the players over. Yeah. And this is just a different but version of that. The, but that said, like, and, and I think you and I disagree on this. Like, I completely see their side. Like, the NHL is completely in the right on a lot of this stuff because mm. they don't get any benefit from it. They send their their assets to the Olympics. What does the NBA get out of sending all their guys? Well, first of all, it's in the summer, so it's the off season. Well, then for for injury purposes, I guess I understand that because yeah, you don't want a guy to. You have an injury risk. But besides have, that, what else? Well, I I. Mean, I, I I think that they. I think the NBA and the NHL should both get benefit for having their players there. I think in both cases it increases the level of visibility for the Olympics in the winter, even more so than the summer, because the summer. I mean, basketball in the Summer Olympics, you can say, is more like a navel gazing, stargazing kind of thing, right? Like there's enough in the Summer Olympics that make you really want to watch it. But in the winter, hockey's one of the top three sports. Like hockey oh, is a reason overall. you tune in to watch it, right? L- along with figure skating and and maybe like skiing if people fall. There's probably more watchable. Winter events, oh, more popular. Events if it's if winter? it's an argument about winter versus summer Olympics, it's a no brainer. I mean, winter Olympics are better. Yeah, but, like, but like in summer though, what else is there besides basketball? Like, track and field. Who who won gold? Tra- Name a gold medal winner in two events from the track and field that just Usain happened. Bolt. 
and Mo Farah or whatever that guy's name. But track and field, swimming, gymnastics, like swimming, basketball, you can yeah, argue is going to be like your number three, your number four sport at the most, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So in the winter, it's you can argue it's figure skating and hockey and then everything else. So I get their argument, but again, like I, I'm on the NHL side in the sense that like they should be able to profit from the Olympics. They should be able to sell Olympic-themed shit in the NHL store. But like, what's they should different be able between to... now and four years ago? Like, are they asking for more? Is the IOC giving them less? They, like, it's, why, it, they, why? they asked for more. Then there was a leadership change in the IOC. And then they got a lot less, like nothing. And, and now they're just trying to build up to the previous levels. So I get, hmm. I get what they're saying. But I also agree with you that I think it's a negotiating ploy. And ultimately, I agree with the players, which is that it's important to go for the for the, the growth of the sport and because it's the best hockey you could watch for that yeah. period of time. I mean, completely selfishly. I just don't get why the, we don't hear about this with the NBA before every Summer Olympics. There's ever like a negotiation where like Michael Silver or David Stern is like, not Michael, is that Michael Silver? Michael Silver's not a 2-0. That's Adam Silver. Silver. Da- Adam Silver. Yeah. Who's Michael Silver? <laughs> Michael Silver, not a two. Wait, that, that was that was David Silver. Silver. Who is Michael Silver? Michael Silver. That was That's not Ron Silver from the great movie... The Arrival. Oh, Ron Sil- and also Ron, Ron Silver from the great movie Time Cop, in which he meets himself and then touches himself, and then they oh, become yeah. a giant blob. Right, he's a bad. He's the he's the the bad dude. Because- Michael Silver is, of course, an American sports writer and television analyst who worked at Yahoo and Sports Illustrated. He wrote the the book. He wrote the book about what the the, the um the thing with the guys. The thing with the guys. Didn't I- he read a book? Yeah, he wrote. Oh no, I, I'm, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> but he's, an, he's a he's a sports writer. That's what you're thinking. But the of. point is, is, I don't hear those guys in the media for months before the Summer Olympics bitching about how they're not getting enough. They just go. They, they just know it's good, and they just go, and it's not a problem ever. And again, I understand the whole in season, not in season thing, but overall, like, there's never ever any resistance from the NBA about going. I think my problem with the Olympic debate is that it is, it, it is a very nuanced argument. It's a really interesting debate. There's there's uh, there's valor on both sides of the debate as far as who's in the right and who's in the wrong, mm. but it's it boils down mm. in so many people's minds to just more f you Batman you effing suck you ruin but our effing sport. He, he's earned that. He's he's <laughs> he's he's earned he has earned the fans have earned the right to to wonder if he's ever telling the truth and to automatically think he's doing something stupid and fucking things up. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally fine with that. At this from, point. from our standpoint, there may not be any next steps. Remember, <laughs> this is February. There's no baseball. There's no football. It's just us and basketball, and we just disappear. We don't get content from the NHL. for the. We don't get content for the NHL Network. Oh, whoa, are the NHL uh, Network ratings in yeah. that, that two-and-a-half-week period of time that they don't get content for the NHL Network. We'll have to throw on a few more top ten uh, uh, shows and such. There, there has never been a person who sees the big picture less than Gary Batman. We don't get any content for our social media platforms at NHL.com. Why did we, why did we do it five times? Ta- so he's negotiating for gifts? <laughs> <laughs> we don't get any gifts on the NHL Twitter. Why did we do it five times? Yeah, probably, yeah. probably because we took a special pill. Uh, well, it seemed like a good <laughs> a good idea at the time, but we have been unable to quantify any benefit from it. So again, like that last line, we haven't been able to quantify any benefit from it. Uh, I agree with that, but then also feel like it's horseshit. I agree that there is no actual palpable benefit you could point at and say the NHL is better for having gone to the Olympics, and yet at the same time, I feel like he's not saying this if the Olympics are in Vancouver. Because he didn't say this when the Olympics were in Vancouver. Yeah. 
he's he's full of shit. Is is again, I'm fine with people hearing that and just saying he's full of shit and not wanting to have a nuanced argument because all this is is negotiating in in the media, negotiating in the public, and that's all it is. And eventually they'll just go. Well, listen, I still say they're going to go. And I don't know. I don't know what and it taints it. It it, it. it ruins it too because what ru- it ruins what he, him bitching for six months and then giving in and saying, all right, fine, they can go. Like you think about that as the Olympics, you're just like, I don't want to think about Gary Bettman during the Olympics. I, I want to just watch the Olympics. Like when I go to Vegas, I'm 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 deleting Twitter from my phone, deleting mm-hmm. Slack from my phone. I'm not going to think about the outside world forever. Mm-hmm. The Olympics are like that for the NHL because, again, as our guest Dimitri will, will tell you, hockey's great. The NHL blows. The Olympics are just hockey. And so mm-hmm. you can forget about that. But no, you got to have Gary Bettman just be like, well, we need to get content for the social media. Like, shut the fuck up. Just let him go. These fucking owners, too. Uh, fucking Melnick. Oh, oh these, yeah. Eugene, Eugene, Melnick, Eugene Melnick saying that he would let Eric Carlson go to the Olympics if he was a Canadian. Which, oh. by the way, I kind of love that. I kind of love the idea that that is, you're so Canadian <laughs> that you would, that, that's, that you're so honest about being that Canadian. Like, could you imagine if, like, the situation was like, he was like, Kyle Turris, you can go play in the Olympics. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, Eric, you can't go. Yeah, now. because you'd hurt our chances at winning yeah. gold. Oh. I love that. Oh, my God. That'd I be so great. I love the people that run this Here, league. Ted Leone's just being like, Alex, I really, <laughs> I really respect everything that you do for us. But TJ is going to go, but you can't go. I'm sorry. And like the NHL sets it up where they, they only send like their worst goalies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sorry, Auntie Niemi and Kari Latin are the only two goalies for Finland. <laughs> Jim Nell's like, go ahead, go. <laughs> um, yeah, Bobrovsky. We 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 decided that there's a rule that doesn't allow players that that played for the Flyers and the Blue Jackets to go. And also, I guess this means that Russia's goalie is Sergey piece of shit off. So uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> so sorry, sorry. Wait, so Semyon, you're going to represent Russia? I, I just had surgery. I don't care. <laughs> get out there, get out there, and pop your stitches, buddy. God, that'd be beautiful. Oh, this is the league. This is the league that we watch and talk about and mm-hmm. write about. This is the league that we watch and talk about, the Guardians of Hockey. The league of shad does. <laughs> the league of shad does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was born in the shad does. You were you really born, adopted it. I was born during the World Championships. <laughs> Not during the Olympics. <laughs> I didn't see any benefit for me to do that. What lovely, lovely ice. <laughs> Speaking of lovely ice... In the dry ice in which this product comes in. Mm. Blue Apron! Here's the hey, deal with... so Kristen. <laughs> Here's the deal with Blue Apron, ladies and gentlemen. It is a product that I hardly endorse because the thing I don't like doing is going to the grocery store and overspending on high-end items yeah, to make that. gourmet meals. It sucks. Because, quite frankly... I always sometimes not end up using them. Plus, like, you buy other shit you don't need. You buy, like, two Entenmann's cakes because they look good. And right. You don't, you crumb, don't a crumb cake. Right. And then what would be the other one? Because oh, obviously one's a crumb cake. Oh, oh an angel's food. Okay. Or, yeah. Here's oh, the thing with Blue stuff. Apron that I love is that you, uh, you pick the meals you want. And for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. Literally gives you exactly the amount of paprika you'd need so as you don't have to read a recipe and be like, oh, my God, where's my paprika? You'll have it in front of you. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores. With Blue Apron, you can prepare delicious, memorable meals yourself in under 40 minutes. 
Not to mention Blue Apron has partnered with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. to ensure that all their ingredients are of the highest quality. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of ingredients required, they're reducing food waste. Hey, that's good. You can feel good about that, too. Uh, you always love when I tell you about the big meals available from Blue Apron. What do we got? We got salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli. Oh, I love salmon. I'm a big salmon guy. I'm a, I, was, I was a bear in my past life. True story. I'm very afraid of you right now. I look like my past life looks at you and runs as far as I can. Maybe get inside spaceship, leave Earth to make sure I don't get chased by former Lozo Bear. Pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple. That to me sounds like the meeting of East meets West a little bit. A little pork chop and apple and miso butter and bok choy. You know? We can change. We can come together. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, because that's a Russian versus an American movie. <laughs> if I can cook, you can cook. Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips and spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Mm. Here's what you need to do. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash pucksoup. You will love how good it feels, tastes, to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. I love using it. You're going to love it, too. That's blueapron.com slash pucksoup. Three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash pucksoup. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's cook up something on the Vezina Trophy thing real quick before we get to our guest. Um, you and I had a, a, a really uh, serious debate before the show. We almost came to blows over the idea that Cam Talbot might be fourth right now in the Vezina race. Oh, you always do this. You always debate one thing off off the mic and then you come oh, out. Oh, okay, I'll just say it. I think he could be top three, but I don't know who he kicks out. <laughs> yeah, like it's Bobrovsky. It's Dubnik. Now, do you think Bobrovsky's moved ahead of Dubnik, Dubnik well. based, based on how the Wild have struggled? Do you think he's moved ahead of him? Remember, it's the GMs that vote for this, not yeah. the brightest bulbs in the world. And Sergei Bobrovsky's Russian. Mm-hmm. And Devin Dubnik is, is not. Neither is Braden Holpe or Carey Price. That would be the most amazing GM thing of all time to just leave Sergei Bobrovsky off completely. Right. It's just not his time yet. Yeah, Cam Talbot's not a Vezina finalist. He's just he's had a very good season. He's just not. No, he's had an exceptional season. There, mm. the, he, he, no one has faced more high danger shot attempts than Cam Talbot. He has made a porous high danger would be a really good James Franco Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> Where there's their their weeds, they, they sell weed by skydiving into countries, and and that's how they they avoid the border. Pull your suit, man! <laughs> what the fuck? Drop that fucking bong! Pull your suit, man! All right, is that James Franco or Seth Rogen? Because I, I don't know which one to do. <laughs> you would have to do a James Franco, but how do you do a James Franco? He's like a chameleon. Are you just to do Spring Breakers. I feel like you just talk like a, you just do the the Pineapple Express voice. <laughs> <laughs> Are we best? No, I can't. Do I can't, it. and I can't do Spring Breakers. That's basically McConaughey. I've never seen Spring Breakers. All right, all right, all right. What's the plot of that? Like the, the teen. It's the teen. It's hot, hot teen. Yeah, you would love it. It's hot teen girls that uh, rob banks and sh- or like rip off people or do robberies or shit. And he's like their pimp overlord type guy. And if they were like hot milk, ask all your ask all your teens too. about it. They'll tell you how good it is. I don't know, man. Going back to that, the, the teen chat, anything I thought teens were into, like Demi Lovato, they were like, fuck Demi Lovato. <laughs> Dude, the, no one knows what teens like. They don't. You, you, just, you just don't. I know what teens like. I would put Cam Talbot fourth, but I agree with you. I don't know if you can. The, the two clear finalists are Dubnik, based on the entire body of work, although he stumbled late, and Bobrovsky, who's been amazing the all the way through and, and really is, you know, top 
three goalies in the league, maybe, uh, based on the last few years, if he's healthy. Um, but then I think Holtby's going to be sort of your carryover defending champ legacy pick. And it's going to—the problem with, with any NHL award is that you've got you've to make—the harder the case is to make, the less likely that player is going to win the award or be a finalist. And in, in, Cal, in Cam Talbot's case, you have the work rate in the number of games, obviously, but you have to do some heavy lifting to kind of show, you know, a 9.22 save percentage of 2.32. It's really good, but maybe not as good as the other finalists, and you've got to do a little bit more heavy lifting to show how good he is. Yeah, I mean, who wins it in your eyes? Think Dubnik still wins it? <sighs> like I do think the whole Russian Canadian thing is going to be a thing, but <sighs> six shutouts. Dubnik only has five. Oh, oh I know you were really taxing. It's, it's a good be, thing you're not a general manager, or else you'd have a real conundrum. Oh, on if your I was hands. general manager, I just would have voted for the Canadian guy <laughs> twenty minutes ago and just went out with my day. The no. other thing that's interesting about it is the geographic thing, right? Because like, you, you have you have two Eastern Conference guys that are that are you know potential finalists, and then you have one in the West and Dubnik. And how you know how's the West going to break? Well, they uh, well, I mean, I wonder how many of those guys remember Bob being in the West and being like, yeah, he is good. Scott Darling is going to win it. Now let's talk about Scott Darling. Let's talk about my boy Scott Darling. Yeah, let's talk Who about future, future, be better. future Vegas Golden Knight starting goaltender Scott Darling. Going to be Darling the one and Ronta the two. Is that how it's going to be? Sure. By the way, yes. Guys with better save percentages than Corey Crawford this year are Scott Darling and Ante Ranta. Corey Crawford, one of the best goalies in the world, quote unquote. I'm doing do air you, quotes. Do you think Corey Crawford's counterfeit? Because I don't. I yes. used to think that a he's, little bit, but I don't John think Quick. so anymore. He's John Quick. He's another version of John Quick. He's, but John Quick's not counterfeit. Wait, what does counterfeit mean? I thought counterfeit mean like like fake. Yeah, like he's he's not as good as everybody thinks. But John, he is. yeah, but John yeah. Quick, John Quick's not as good as everybody thinks he is because he got overpaid and because he had the no. nerve to really be really good in the playoffs. No, he's, he was never no. There's nothing to do with the contract. You think he's he's just a product of that system? Yes. You don't think he he actually won a cup by being that good? Well, for two months he was good in the playoffs. For so sure. how how is John how is Jonathan Quick any different than Tim Thomas? Explain that to me. Because Tim Thomas won two as it is. Okay, okay, great. But you, but but <laughs> but, but to awesome. me, like Tim Thomas played right. in back. Tim Thomas played in back of two parts of the Trinity. He played in back of Bergeron and Zdeno Chara, and he played in Julian's system. And so how come he is seen? Because why? Because he does more so flipping much, and flopping. Because his numbers were so much better than Jonathan Quick's. So you think Corey Crawford <laughs> is Jonathan Quick? Yes. He's very much like Jonathan Quick. I think I'd rather have Corey Crawford than Jonathan Quick, but Corey Crawford is very much. I mean, you want to compare Scott Darling's numbers in Chicago next to Corey Crawford's and and and, and tell me Do Scott you, Darling wouldn't have won cups if he was the number one? So dollars to donuts. Mm-hmm. Donuts being Scott Darling, dollars being Corey Crawford. Oh, my two favorite things, fried dough and money. <laughs> you you expose Corey Crawford if you could? I don't think you can, by the way. I'm probably sure he's got a no move, but would you yeah, expose Corey Crawford? Oh, for sure. Oh, without even thinking about it, I would. Wow, and I keep mean, Scott Darling. And keep Scott keep, Darling. keep the plug-in journeyman. In, in 15 years, when people talk about Corey Crawford's two cups, no, no one's going to remember that Scott Darling won the first round for them when, when Corey Crawford was puking on himself against the Predators. And then Scott Darling, and then Corey Crawford came in and was fine the last three rounds. But that's, yeah. not, that's not, elite goaltenders don't need their backup to come in and win a series for them because they can't make a save against Mike Fisher. It just doesn't happen. He's also 32. I didn't realize Corey Crawford was that old. It took a while for him to get the job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He waited in the wings forever. But I guess the argument for the Tim Thomas argument might be the Scott Darling argument, though. Like, like, like Darling, mm. I think is is a is yeah. a 
is a product of his background in some ways. People see him a certain way because of the way he came up. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like preordained elite goalie kind of guy. Right. But that neither was Thomas. Yeah, you're talking yourself into it now. I like it. I like I Darling a lot. I think he's going to be a great... Uh, the, when when the Golden Knights meet the Blackhawks in the playoffs next year, it's going to be really fascinating to see Darling versus Crawford in the first <laughs> round. <laughs> Boy. I, I honestly, I, if there's one thing I can't wait for at this time next year is going to be the Las Vegas Golden. What are they? What are they again? They're not. Yeah, Las, Las Vegas Gold. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights. Just the Vegas Golden Knights when when they're when they're mathematically eliminated with a month to go. When you're out in Vegas, are you going to do some intel on on what they're thinking about hockey? Um. Well, I'm staying at George McPhee's house. <laughs> So I'm, I'm assuming he probably locks down his computers. <laughs> so I'm going to try and hack in and just see what the draft strategy is. Dave. <laughs> Darren, Darren Hilm or, or Thomas Vanek, which one? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, cannot wait. I cannot wait to see the results of that expansion draft. That team is going to be so fucking hard. <laughs> it's going to be gonna great. Be so fucking bad. I, I promise to get a, a whoever they take first. If there's a way to say who they took first, I'll get that jersey. That's my vow on this show. That's a, yeah, that's another part of it, too. They're not going to have, like, a first pick if they do it in secret and it's just the one team. With the first pick, boo! <laughs> I know, I love you, too. You're going to want to hear this. <laughs> Valtteri Filpola. No, you can't. They have to protect him, actually, I think. That's not a good one. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks. Actually... I think Darling's contract expires, so he's not even going to be a guy. Yeah, he's just going to be UFA. They just have to sign him straight away. Four years, $32 million. Next Cam Talbot. Scott, by the way, my answer is Sergei Borowski because he's going to have the most wins. Good. And that's always what the Vezina voters right. look at first because <clears> they're <throat> stupid. Before, before we get to our guest, Dmitry Filipovich uh, of the PDO cast and Sportsnet, a real smart dude who has some smart things to say about analytics and stuff. You're going to enjoy it. Good hair, too. Uh, we have to do... Oh, God, impeccable hair. Great hair. It's funny. He didn't know He didn't know what George Lucas looked like in the 1970s. Because and, you'll hear this during the interview. He, he, throws in the, he, throws, he throws in a little nugget that he got into analytics during his second year at university. Right. While the Canucks were playing the Bruins for this day. He's like, he's like seven years old. He's like a kid. He's like a child. Yeah. Like a prodigy, though. Yeah. I loved... I, I wish that my theory about him was true, that he got into analytics to try to... Like, his life's mission was to try to figure out how the fuck Boston beat Vancouver in that playoff series. Right. Like, I wish that was the thing. Like, it just became his his obsession in life. Like, fucking Fox Mulder trying to prove why UFOs exist because his sister got abducted. Like, I wanted that to be the origin story. Like, Ryan like, Reynolds with the board. Like, the how, did, how did this he, this rat who took human form, who beat the shit out of my Swede and his team win the cup and we burned our city down? Now, like five years later, he's going to be a heart finalist. Like, oh, okay. No, it's all starting to click. In oh, yeah. We have, I don't know if we've done a show since the Brad Marchand uh, heart thing happened, but like, it, it, I guarantee you the way that hockey writers think is you, you have to reach a certain standard in life before you can win an award or be a finalist for the award. Yeah. And the Brad Marchand can play with Sidney Crosby at the World Cup was the thing he had to pass. So he passed that test. Oh, you think, he, oh, you think he's already passed? I, I, I think, I think he, he's going to be in the top three. I think Burns is going to win the Norris and, then he, and Marchand's going to be in the top three for the heart. I really do. But like, I feel like that goes against <laughs> hockey writer things where they'll just say Crosby carried him. Like Crosby's, he was a product of Crosby at the Olympics. No, but like he could. This, like, this we, but, but hockey writers, hockey writers have seen there. There is the the highways ran with broken players. The the uh, <laughs> there's so many guys who tried to play with Sid and couldn't. 
that to see somebody who could play with Sid mm. automatically elevates you. For fuck's sake, again, look couldn't play with Sid. Remember that? Like that was a big thing. Yeah, but yeah. There was a whole thing. Castle anymore. coun't play with him. Like it takes a sp- certain special guy to play with him, and I think he'll get he'll get that that love. Right. Um, real quick, the tournament of hockey commentators March mute this rolls on. Uh, the second our, our, round is, is I feel like they're going to the first round we had more blowouts than I thought yeah we had some pretty big blowouts in the first round the voting was taking place in the Puck Soup podcast Twitter uh, it is all of the uh, hockey commentators you wish you could mute March mute this uh, real quick second round matchups Pierre Maguire versus Eddie O an interesting matchup in the sense that they hate each other yeah <laughs> IRL this, this is this is like um, <laughs> this is like in the NCAA tournament getting a second round matchup of like Duke and Carolina Michigan, Michigan State <laughs> and Duke, Carolina just two fucking teams that hate each other uh, semi-final Don Cherry versus Barry Melrose yeah American Don Cherry versus Don Cherry yes. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a good rivalry matchup. A lot of good rivalries in the second round. Uh, over on the other side of the bracket, uh, Mike Milbury, who really thrashed the old guy who fills in for Liam. I gotta say, I feel like I feel like the the, the seating committee did a really good job seating these things because yeah. people were like Steigerwald at fourteen. Well, yeah, he, he didn't show up. Yeah, uh, Milbury uh, will face off against Jeff O'Neill, who beat Darren Drager in a, an upset, yeah, a ten seven upset. I'm surprised by that. Yep. And then uh, Jack Edwards against Jeremy Roenick, which might be the most compelling that's the big, second round matchup. Yeah, that's the CBS primetime game yeah. on, on Saturday. That's going to be the good. That's going to be the good one. Who do you give odds on that one? I mean, Edwards was a six seed, Roenick a three seed. See, I underestimated the hate for Butchie. So I maybe I maybe I'm misreading it. Like I feel like Ronick should win that in a walk, but I don't know. Like I don't I, hate Jack Edwards as much as people. I do. don't either. I think it really depends on who catches wind of our of our of our bracket. <laughs> <laughs> like like if, if all of a sudden Montreal realizes we're doing this, right. I have a pretty good chance that Ronick makes that, that gets upset in that, but, in that second round. It seemed like Pittsburgh Twitter was all over it and still Steige Steige just never he was out of it. It was like, it was like a game that started with like a twenty nothing run and yeah. then just never caught up. So will over. will will you know, will it be Pierre versus Milbury in the final or or will we have a momentous upset like Duke uh, being beaten Ugh. by whoever beat them? South Carolina. You broke your brackets, I bet. Dude, I had a, the most amazing first two days of the tournament I've had in years. And on Saturday, every game went against it. Any upset I had didn't happen, and every upset I didn't have happened. Notre Dame, <laughs> Villanova, all oh, these fucking teams. Dude, I was, Florida I, State. I was in London uh, this, this weekend because Ruby surprised me with a birthday trip. And I could tell you as a, as a point of a fact, which I didn't realize, you know how sometimes you can travel the world and see American sporting events while you're traveling abroad because yeah. they'll just be on television? Oh, boy, they don't give a shit about NCAA basketball. Oh, no. No one does. <laughs> the, 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 you couldn't find it. The, the, the second Villanova lost, I was like, eh, I don't really care about when we tournament. When we come back, though, a special quiz I've, I've created for uh, Dave Lozo. I know I'm you excited. love when I give Lozo quizzes that may have something to do with Jolly Oat England and Leicester City. Leicester City, you bugger. All right, here's Dmitry Filipovich. Dmitry Filipovich is a uh, writer and a podcaster for Sportsnet in Canada. A consumer of tacos. You may know him from such podcasts as the PDO cast in which I appeared this week. And you may also know him as that really smart guy on Twitter that you, you read to find out why mm. your opinions are incorrect. Oh, Tyler Dello? He's Tyler Dello? <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't say the guy on Twitter who tells you why your opinions are incorrect. Uh, I said he's the guy that you read. Is he the guy with the charts with the circles and the, and the stuff? <clears throat> Different genres of 
of intellectual hockey Twitter people mm -hmm. that dabble in numbers. There's the people that you read from afar as they spout off amazingly smart things, and you don't want to interact with them because you don't want to seem dumb. And I think Dimitri fits into that square. Wait, then you because have he's afraid that he's dumb? Or no, no, you don't interact far? with him because you're afraid that you're dumb. You're not smart enough to talk to Dimitri. I interact with Dimitri. No, I'm not saying you. I mean the collective you as fans. Oh, because they're so dumb? You're saying fans are dumb? <laughs> yes. Jesus, Greg. What an intro. Then there are the analytics people like Dello who will, will tell you why you're dumb. And I would put Ryan, our Puck Daddy's own Ryan Lambert on that, too. He, like, oh, he will sure. tell you why you're dumb. Oh, every day. And, like, I, I get texts out of just randomly during the course of my day that taste, tells me why I'm stupid. You taste the music stuck. Music, movies, I can't believe clothes. You did, you did not get the new... <laughs> why Idiocracy <laughs> is a documentary more and more. As we why are you wasting today. your time eating that hot dog when you could be listening to Run the Jewels? Um, <laughs> so that's another one. And then you have the people who literally know too much about hockey so they need to pour their knowledge is pouring out of their ears like the poster for the terry gilliam movie brazil to the point where they have to make charts oh cam sharon i love that guy they have to make works for the leafs he now doesn't right doesn't exist anymore oh he doesn't that's the fourth kind of analytics person oh which is the person who used Should to I exist be writing this down the piece the person who used to exist but they no longer exist because they get hired by teams now they're ghosts they're literally like just ghosts. They visit you at night. Oh, and like they just spend all their time in this encased thing. Yes. So they're they're basically just ghosts in a shell. That's right. They're ghosts in a shell, right? Okay. And right. you're like, and and they're like, I'm the ghost of analytics past. Mm -hmm. You're like Vic Ferrari. What are you doing in my bedroom? Vic Ferrari. That that was that was the that's that was Jim Corsi's name when he went on car. Uh, message boards, right? That's so how that it's works. been two thirty-five, and we haven't actually had anything to say from Dimitri. He actually left. <laughs> <laughs> he walked out at minute I'm one. I'm admiring this masterpiece. Am I allowed to speak? I didn't want to. Do you think everything we said is accurate? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I'll take your word for it. You stop listening at like yeah. the forty-second yeah, mark. Yeah, yeah. You do. you are such a part of this community. Tell us why. Tell if it's tell us if it's difficult to be surrounded by, by so many people that are constantly arguing. <laughs> It's so frustrating. It's so like, counterproductive. Like, has anyone ever benefited from any of these crazy, deranged arguments that happen online? Like, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think. No. I think that much like religious scholars. Yep. Um, there's. It's a quest for truth. It's a quest for enlightenment and a quest for truth. But at the end of the day, everybody is so heels dug in mm -hmm. in their own ideology that you can never find that enlightenment. Enough about politics, though. I'm thinking of a guy like Neil, Neil Greenberg, yes. who's a writer for the Washington Post now, who I think is one of these guys that ha doesn't have a lot of fans in the analytics community because of the things that he believes in, but yet is also a guy who has gotten work, and there yes. are people who read him and believe in his stuff. And, I, and it's always fascinated me that, that it's, it's not homogenous. Uh, you know, there are certain aspects of analytics that people believe in. But at the end of the day, everybody believes that their path to enlightenment is the true one. <laughs> Have you ever been on the receiving end of a uh, Steve Birch? Oh, yes. yes. Storm? Oh, yes. Sure. Not a long time. That's but a I great have. example. That's, yeah. a, that's a guy who really believes his voodoo is the deadliest and his kung fu is, is, yeah. is the deadliest as well. And his voodoo kung fu is the deadliest. I, I find 
I find his his explanations to be head spinning. Yes. I need Dramamine when I get done reading some of his Twitter rants. He has like a special thing that he made up, right? The, the D-Corsi. The D-Corsi, yes. I mean, yes. I'm not going to, you guys can make the jokes if you want. I don't really understand. I mean, the, the joke of the D-Corsi is that, you know, he had this entire thing where he was trying to tell everyone how Jake Muzzin is better at hockey than Drew Doughty because he was better in this one metric he made up. And hmm. I believe that Jake Muzzin's probably better than Drew Doughty because I just don't think Drew Doughty's that good. Yeah, I know. You're a bit of a Drew Doughty hater. Fuck Drew Doughty. Yeah, I know. Um, Are we allowed to swear in this? Oh, oh, fucking A, right. Fuck yeah, man. Well, actually, we had a request from a listener. She's like, can you do a clean podcast this week? So that went out the window. (laughs) That went out the window a while ago. Oh, that was this week, too. She's been in there before. Oh. Remember that episode we did totally nude as a response to that to sort of like... (laughs) We didn't tell anybody, but three episodes ago, it was totally nude. That was the... uh, who Who was our guest that week, three weeks ago? Is that John C. McGinley? Is there, he was new too. Is there a certain pressure on people <clears throat> within the community to come up with their own gimmick and then name it? Like, like you know, obviously we all we all harken back to Corsi and Fenwick. Is there a certain comp- a competition to come up with your own acronyms to feel important? For sure, and I think that there's people out there much smarter than myself. That you know, the data programmers, data scientists that put all this stuff together and come up with all these formulas that I personally can't do myself, and I never pretend to. So I instead, I still think there's a a value in just interpreting the data that's out there and that other people present to you. And I think that's what I try to do. Like I'm never going to come. There's you're never going to see the Filipovich metric unless it's something stupid and made up. What could it stand for? The like- Filipovich metric is uh, first first. In line, in person. We gotta, get, of... we gotta get a hockey term in there at some point. Corsi. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, and that, and that tells you the which cor- team the has C the best stands for Corsi. Predictive. Filipovich. The C stands for Corsi. There we go. Yeah. There it is. I guess I lied. We just made it up. It's for filling up the net. The Philip. The Phil. Right. The... It's oh no. Obviously, it's Philip Forsberg <laughs> over. <laughs> Come on, we're, we're waiting. Vanek in Corsi, which yeah. is probably not true. I'm sure Vanek's probably good. How do you deal with a guy like Vanek? <laughs> Look at that shift into who. This is why you're a podcast. Is like right the streakiest the guy. Tell me <laughs> you're a great statistician. <laughs> Thomas Vanek is a pretty streaky player. How do you deal with a streaky player like Thomas Vanek? Do you, do you, is he a guy that you trust or a guy that you don't trust as an analytics guy? I trust him to do what? Like, I, I, deliver a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make a drop pass on a breakaway. Yes, um, there's plenty of guys like that where. I think that there's a value for them on your team. They're probably not going to be the guy you're building your team around and playing him on the first line and featuring him. But I think if he's a complimentary player for you playing on your third line and occasionally in the power play, like there's plenty of value in that. So One of the first times that I remember analytics... <laughs> Stop! Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, I, I like when you go on a yarn. You just, you just spin a yarn about... Back in 1993, when I was a Devils fan, let me tell you about analytics back then. There was a guy by the name of Neil Broughton playing for the Minnesota, and it's just, okay, let's see where this goes. It's more, it's more, it's no. more of an Andy Rooney. Did you ever notice? <laughs> he always gets stuck with the shopping cart with the wiggly wheel. 
No. Is Steve the, Ott that wiggly wheel, Dimitri? <laughs> yes. The first, one of the first times I remember analytics colliding with, with hockey analysis was was a guy who I would consider in that streaky, you forgive the sins overall class, which was Alex Semin, mm-hmm. where there would be times when Alex Semin would just fucking disappear from right. the face of the earth, go back to his home planet. Uh, uh, but there would always be the argument that, no, 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 you have to understand what this guy does even when he's not producing. And, and I always thought he was the, one of the first guys in the analytics era that po- people point to and say, no, 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 you're wrong about this guy. Stop throwing around the word enigmatic, you assholes. I think even more than what a guy like Semin was producing, what he was contributing when he wasn't necessarily scoring goals and, and, and setting up other goals, is, is that we tend to get too focused on like recency bias and focusing on what happened in the last game or in the last couple games, and you kind of need to look at this stuff as a, as a totality. So I think that with Semin, it's like what he does overall is worth it, regardless of whether he has a five-game stretch where he looks like he doesn't care and he isn't trying. <sighs> I. There's always like one or two guys for me that are always good analytics, yeah. bad to watch. And like Keith Yandel was that guy for me. Keith Yandel, watching him for a year and a half in New York, was just an absolute neutral zone, defensive zone turnover machine. Yeah. And he could skate. He always make up for his mistakes because right. he was a good skater. And so you see Florida give him seven years. And I just think to myself how his legs are going to go over the next seven years and how he's going to get exposed over that time. Like, do, do you, do you, I know you guys hate the eye test. Yeah. But no, I, I I agree with you there, and I think that also I'm, you weren't wrong to critique that signing. Like I would be very reticent of giving anyone right. approaching thirty that that kind of anyone, term. Like, right, I think right. That's that, that's I always get asked. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the Sloan Conference and 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 what happened there a few weeks ago. Fucking in spoilers, Dimitri. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but one of the big topics that always comes up with when when I do interviews like this is what's the next thing we can improve on in in hockey analysis, and what's the next wave and. I think it's something that we've been working on for a while, but GMs still struggle with it so badly, and it's aging curves. Like, just yeah. understanding that a guy is probably going to peak when he's, like, 24, 25 years old rather than 30, 32 when we have thought years ago. And it's like, we just do this stuff time and time again where you see this guy that signs in seven-year deal when he's 28, and two years in, he falls off completely, and people are wondering, well, what happened? But, What's wrong with Dustin Brown? I don't know. I don't get it. It's weird, though, because I feel like at times they know it based on how they'll, t- they'll take like Nikita Kucherov. They know, like, all right, let's just give him the smallest possible deal. We know, And then second that contract ends, you think, okay, now right. they can get him for less. But then you're right. Then they got, then you have, like, Brent Burns. Yeah. I love Brent Burns. I don't know if I love that contract. No. No, that's going to be a tough one. Right. Like, but, like, I, I get it, too, from the standpoint of you have to pay with the market forces you to pay because if Brent Burns gets the open yeah, market, if you're, he's if you're the Sharks and Doug Wilson, you can't let him walk out the <clears> door. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think I think the majority of these long-term contracts that we see are very much short short-term thinking. You yeah. have you have to pay the freight for the extra four years, right. you know, on a deal. But you know that your window to win is in three years, and that player is still going to be productive. Except for Ryan Kessler, I don't understand what the hell's <laughs> happening there. Like that that window wasn't open for more than twenty you mean, minutes. You mean two thousand sixteen, seventeen Jesus. Selkie winner Ryan Kessler? Oh my God! The Kessler Renaissance that's happening, sir. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 fantastic. All right, before we get you down far down the road, how the hell did you get into this? How'd you get smart? Tell us how to be smart. <laughs> Tell us about your brain. When did brain. I see the light? Um, around like 2011, I was still, I think I was like first or second year university, and I was living in Vancouver, and the Canucks made their cup run, and everyone everyone locally was very excited about the team. 
And I, so you're like, how did we lose to these yeah. piece of shit blockheads? Yeah. <laughs> I have to find out. <laughs> I have to get into the numbers and find out. But no, I was still kind of skeptical at the time, but I met and started hanging out with the guys like Cam Sharon and Thomas Drance, who were doing kind of like the analytics OGs, uh, really trying to get this stuff out there. And I was still kind of skeptical. Um, and then the Kings swept the Canucks in the first round the next year as an eighth seed. And the only person that called it was Thomas Drance, who wrote this long preview before the series, highlighting how the Kings were doing at 5-on-5 five five after they acquired Jeff Carter. And they were just dominating the shot metrics. And I remember at the time, it seemed like a crazy thing, and no one else was buying it. And then the Kings went on to win the Cup, and... Um, at that point, I was like, maybe there's some logic to this stuff. And then that's so, so you see, Lozo, Drance mm-hmm. is like Scorsese. He's mm-hmm. the first guy that got a movie made. Okay. And then, like, Sharon's like Spielberg, right? Mm-hmm. Dimitri is George Lucas because he looks like fucking George Lucas did in the 70s. That, that's that's, that's, that's Google that, what George Lucas used to look like <laughs> in the 70s. Before. That's beard, that's beard and hair profile. Yeah, right and there, so sorry. this is this is where they all came. This is the beginnings of the analytics movement. And they were oh. all on the West Coast. This reminds me of a topic I always see on Twitter with analytics people. It's show your work. Yeah. Is there Are there certain people in the analytics world now that mm. you feel like may be those snake oil people? Are there people that, in the analytics community who jump to the back of the math book and then copy the answers to every odd question and then just scribble a bunch of shit on top of them to make it look like they did work like maybe someone on this podcast did to get through math in high school? Are you guys familiar with the name Mike Kelly? Yes. The TSN stats guy? Oh, yes. The, the 106.7 so guy. I, yeah. So I've really uh, toned down my internet arguments and getting too riled up with people's comments, regardless of how stupid they are. Mm, but what's like, that like? Mike Kelly is one dude that I just, every time he says <laughs> anything, and you, you know what? He's reached this like elite stratosphere of analyst where. Sometimes I'm unsure of my opinion, but then I look and just completely disagree with everything he said. And I'm like, oh, maybe I was on the right track. Like, I, maybe I'm, I'm onto something <laughs> here because he, he's actually been completely wrong on every single thing he's ever said. In terms of hockey, I don't know him personally. I'm sure he's, he's a nice guy. No, but Delightful. that's it's Delightful fella. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, the, the analytics movement has been framed as the fact check on, on journalists mm-hmm. and co- especially columnists right. for a long time. And and as as a guy who's a columnist, I know that there are people who are completely full of shit, yep. Steve Simmons, and then there are ones that aren't. And it's interesting that you point out, Lozo, that in the analyst community that there are also people who are selling a false bill of goods. But yep. is that just simply not knowing how to read the numbers or choosing to, and I, and I say this as an American, <laughs> believe their own set of facts? I think sometimes it's, it's, it's tough. Like if you want to get a story out there and you have a bunch of numbers like sometimes you it's very tempting to just cherry pick numbers that support what you want to say even if that's not necessarily the actually factually correct thing to do and i think that's where people sometimes get into trouble what do you think of john chaka because i've heard some things where people don't necessarily know what his i guess yeah. again the show your work stuff G- gm of the arizona coyotes for the uninitiated yes the for those that don't follow for those who don't, not, not nhl teams for right. those in quebec who simply <laughs> know that team has fuck uh versus anything else well from by all accounts he's a super bright guy but i mean he is one of those guys where you can't really check any of the work just because he comes right. from the stat leads company where they're like this proprietary uh data tracking company and no one can no one has access to their information so it's like you can't you can't tell whether all they're really selling is snake oil or whether there's anything to this 
but based on the season, you have to just pretty much decide that this is total snake oil. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I, I've, I've been told that uh, the Panthers' struggles and the Coyotes' struggles are direct uh, results of analytics being garbage. I can't, the Panthers, I feel like it's less analytics, and I think it's more just, like, you give a bunch of people a bunch of money after mm-hmm. one good season. Yeah. Like, it's just human nature maybe to let down a little bit. And at the same time, the goaltending, it's, it's, it's just, there's so many factors to it, but it's not just because they went out and said, hey, analytics are good, and now they're bad. Yes. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> they made a deal with the devil. So. <laughs> yeah. For, for one year to lose to the Islanders in the first round, the worst deal of all time. Well, I mean, they did make a deal with the devils, the Savard deal. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> the, now, you bring up the Panthers, and that's an interesting one. That's obviously where our, our good friend Thomas Drance is, mm-hmm. is, is plying his trade. Um, you worked for a team. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it or not. Uh, no, we can't get into any details. Right. You worked for a team. Yes. How, how, how did you feel looking around and seeing every, everybody get it? It's like fucking being in Seattle during the 90s and all the bands get a record contract. Yeah. And, you know, you, I mean, there's probably someone out there that ended up being Mudhoney and didn't get any record contract. But, like, uh, but what did you, how did you feel about the whole analyst thing blowing up? Or uh, you, you guys became, like... The, the sexy hires for these teams where they were like, in Toronto's case, literally <laughs> announcing a new department yes. of analytics. Did you feel like some of these teams were disingenuous? They were just doing it for, for appearances? Or did you feel like everybody had earned their keep and are getting their chance to make a difference? Yes. I mean, obviously I'm biased here because it would benefit my career. But I think every team should be doing what the Leafs are doing because... A lot of these teams try to just hire one guy just so they can send out a press release or, or maybe appease whatever guilty conscience they might have about doing their job <laughs> and doing their due diligence. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we have an analytics guy. That must mean we, we've conquered the analytics market, and that's just not how it works. Like, n- no one in their right mind would tell you um, that they know everything and they can do everything themselves. And if they are, you should be very skeptical of what that person actually is trying to trying to sell to you. Wait, as, as someone who can't talk specifically, can you talk about resistance to things you wanted to do there in a general i mean there's just be, uh, or non-resistance maybe people were like wow this is a great idea you should run the team and you were like thanks <laughs> either, either <laughs> way now, either way i'm still the GM of that, team. Uh, <laughs> that sounds great no that's it's not like that at all actually um it's it's there's a lot of resistance and it's a lot of just indifference really which is kind of the worst part it's like when your yeah. parents tell you they're not mad they're disappointed it's kind of like that where it's like uh, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather the person actually look at my work and be like I completely disagree but this is why and then they actually have some sort of argument to show that they've really thought about it whereas a lot of times it's kind of like you just look at a piece of paper and then you just kind of just like shred it and that's that's you're, the extent of the uh, analytics department. You're explaining stuff like, uh, sir, that, that, that's actually a decimal point. Yes. That's not a period yeah. that ends a sentence. <laughs> that's just a decimal point between a whole number and a fraction of a number at the end. That's what that means. And they're just like, get out of here. What did, you, what did you think of that situation where that dude in Montreal got turfed for apparently like voicing his opinion about the Subban trade? Is he, I mean, in, in, your, in your experience, is that something that would have happened if you had really vehemently stood up and said, I don't agree with this thing, and you said, <laughs> instead of the wrong person? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got like a little thing coming over here. Sorry. I think, I, I mean, it depends, right? Like, you have to approach this stuff tactfully, tactfully just with any job. Like, you can't really go up to your boss and just tell them they're an idiot and doesn't know anything. <laughs> and I think that if you do that, you probably are going to get fired from most of your, most mm-hmm. of your gigs. So um, you have to... Sometimes you got to pick your battles. Obviously, that was a pretty big one, and it yeah. would have been it would have been pretty tough to sleep at night if I was like cashing checks from that team, and I was like, you know what, you're right, boss. Let's do this thing. Share ever shoots the puck really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking on on 
on the PDO cast, uh, mm. Dimitri's podcast, about how how much I'm afraid of Montreal winning the cup this year. How how so? Because Why is that? if they win the cup after oh, making I the see. Subban trade, and 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 like, how do you how do you undo that knot? Like, how do you how do you make 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 the counter argument to the Subban trade was unsuccessful? Oh, by the way, the the Habs <sighs> won the cup and Shea Weber played twenty seven minutes a night. Oh, and he won the Conn Smythe, and they beat the Preds in four. <laughs> PK Subban's like no, minus no, eleven. That's just it. Subban's a minus seven when the yeah. Preds lose in the first round. Like that would be the narrative. Yeah, that's my. I, I to go back to what you said before. Like I legitimately worry. Listen, the analytics movement's gonna be fine. Mm. I think it's it's past the sniff test. I think it, it's you know it, it's well well understood that it's that these things can be you know if not necessarily predictive, at least tell us why things happen. Right. Um, it Why are the Kings so bad? Even well, hold on, hold on. So get oh, oh, you were doing? Are you doing yeah. a rant? I want to go off on a rant. No, 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 no. I'm not going to rant. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that that I do worry though that you know it's going to be a tougher hill to climb the more times we see a John Chica you yeah. know, fuck up or, or not find success, or the more times that we see the team that makes the really bad illogical trade get short term results from it. Even if at the time of the Subban trade, we all said. It's going to be fine for the next couple of years until there's a steep drop off in Weber's game. Right. Um, I do get worried about that, and so I, I'm I'm actively rooting against the success of Montreal because I don't want them to have the high ground in this argument. Well, I mean, we see that in a, on a smaller scale uh, now with the Oilers, where there's like all this rewriting of, of, of history of what what's happened over the past yeah. however many years. It's like. Well, Adam Larson's here, and for all the people that thought getting rid of Tyler, Taylor Hall was a mistake, this team is winning, and it's like people struggle like keeping two thoughts in their mind at the same time. Sometimes, like the Oilers can be good because of other things, and also they'd probably be better if they had Taylor Hall instead of Adam Larson. Like, right, I think both those things can be true. And also, what I consider to be the real X factor. Connor McDavid yeah. uh, being drafted. I, I didn't just, know. I didn't know he was part of that package for yeah, Taylor Hall. That. Yeah, it's like it's like when they they look at the way they built that team and everything else. It's just like yeah, but you literally have the best, arguably the best player in the world. It's like the movie Moneyball where they don't yeah. talk about the pitching and they just focus yes. on like Mike Magnanti and right. like Ricardo Rincon. But that, that's <laughs> going to be the Edmonton Oilers story in like ten years. It's going to be like Adam Larson skating around and like. He, he blocked one puck to save one game in front of the net. It's like that's why they that's why they went on that run. It's like how do, how do you think the Oilers got better this year? Huh? Wait, wait, you think it is more Moxie or maybe deleting Taylor Hall in that locker room? I'm like gonna probably guess it has something to do with McDavid pl- playing hockey. The Taylor Hall locker room thing too. Like I I never knew that was a thing until they started winning this year. It was it was the Taylor Hall locker room cancer problem. That's that's why they were they were. But it's like that in every sport, right? Like as soon as the guy's out the door, there's all of a sudden this like. Revisionist oh, yeah. smear campaign about why oh, it went yeah. wrong. It's like, yeah. Yeah. do you think do you think stats are marketable to hockey fans? Like stats are clearly marketable to baseball fans uh, because you have a lot of people with a lot of time in their hands that love breaking down numbers and talking about things. Although, also, I think baseball has always been a very stats obsessed sport. Also, I think fantasy baseball lends itself to really yes. diving deep into the stats. Do you think stats are a marketable thing in hockey? I hope so. Otherwise, I should be looking for other other job opportunities. Um, Can you make stats fun? I feel like that's the problem with stats. Sometimes, yeah, people don't have fun with them. They get real mad if you're ever. Yeah, I I think I think stuff we can do better for sure is sort of providing like context and like relevant examples in terms of like comparing players. Like I think that's something a casual fan can get behind when like you tell them like. Well, this is how these two players compare for this reason. It's like it's a pretty simple way to go. Another thing is, I think we just got to scrap 
stuff like Corsi and PDO and, and Fenwick and not necessarily the stats. Those are the ones. I, those are the ones I understand. But no, the names because I think uh, like I think you instantly see people's eyes just glaze over as soon as you say that. But they're the same people that have been listening to player interviews saying we need to get pucks on net for okay. twenty years. It's like a those rebranding. Are the two, those are the two same things. So what can, we, what can we call them? Like we can call them like I think just call them shot attempts just, or just shots. Oh mm. shit! So you agree with the NHL? Oh yeah, but I think I think we should I, I think we should call wow. uh, Corsi like shot attempts should just be called shots, not shat. Nuts. Not shats, not shats. <laughs> like yeah, like if we have fun, like shats on, and we can we can have like specific ones that are blocks. So we can say shats on chest, right? <laughs> ones that ones that get all the way through shats down the drain. Like, and we can. Be, I'm just saying, like, you want to keep it fresh for, for a the very kids. niche audience. Yes, for those that Cleveland expansion team. <laughs> he led he led the team in shats, <laughs> right on the ice. SACs. Well, so going back to that, like, what did you? How did you? To go back to the the uh, garage band example, I mm-hmm. mean. <laughs> when the NHL adopted <laughs> adopted analytics, it had to seem like maybe maybe the party was over, huh? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, on the topic of snake oil and, uh, and, and, and false profits, I think everything oh. SAP does is probably well, a good let's, example. Let's, yeah. let's talk about oh, that because one of the yeah. biggest problems that the analytic, uh, analytics community had with SAP mm-hmm. was the predictive model they claimed 85% of playoff series 85% yeah they they had a thing where it was 85% yeah. of playoff series they said they could predict yeah and and that was you know no matter what they were going to do as far as data collection or how they were building these things within nhl.com and the new analytics pages and renaming the stats whatever that was the thing that that made people go oh fuck this yeah. right that's that's going 13 out of 15 every year right that's right. that's 85% but, but that's the problem it's like human nature like fans or consumers of the product want like certainty like they want to be told something as like as fact as set in stone and sports are anything but Especially that like hockey. we're like we're working oh. with probabilities here where it's like you can increase your odds from 50 to 52 yeah. percent it's like for someone working with a team that's huge right. but for a fan they might not that might not capture the attention so you have to sometimes like kind of like a little bit of a napoleon complex where like all of a sudden you start like overcompensating and trying to like convince them like oh trust me this is actually foolproof no matter what and you start making promises you actually can't keep and then but, that, but, but, but by that point the cash the checks have already cashed you don't care anymore you've, yeah. you've already got the sap money yeah. <laughs> you're good man it's just like who cares i also think too the problem is is fans take their cues from like media people and like when steve simmons people like that are Every other day, making yeah. some sort of joke about shit. Like, yeah, like it, it's it's designed to annoy you guys. I, I just realized, like, we, we we're using Dimitri to speak for all of the stats community. Yes, yeah, and we it, but we established at the beginning of the of the interview that like they're all diff, they're all warring right. tribes. But like, it reminds me, <laughs> Katie Nolan was our first guest, and like half of our questions were, as a woman, right? And, then, <laughs> and now we're doing this. <laughs> well, yes. well, I mean, I yeah. can't believe you didn't go with the example of the, of the puck bunny. Like yeah. as a as a as a puck bunny, as a puck bunny. Yeah. Now, as a stats guy, yes. I forget what the point was, but the point was is that if if more people were less dickish about it, yeah. I feel like more common fans would probably be It'd into be huge. it. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand where some it, it comes from, like years of being sort of held down and and people telling you that you're. But like, if you're Steve Simmons, you can do whatever you want. You can write whatever you want. You're not yeah. going to lose your job. Like, there's no there's no benefit to being like the stats dick. It kind of is, like, though, because is people the, click I, on his stuff because of what he says, right? Oh, yeah. I think I think he'd be exposed by not having any sort of actual relevant opinions if he had tried to, like, not See, just stir stuff hmm. up. But That's I, why I call him Hot Stove Simmons. I think the prickishness of, of analytics guys, though, is one of the appealing parts of it. Like, I know that we're saying that they have to be more nuanced and try to make it, make it more, you know, accessible to people, but, like, 
I read Dello because Dello was a prick to the to people that I wanted to see taken down a notch. Right. And there's something beautiful about that. Like yes. I don't I don't ever want the edge to be taken off of analytics in, in the sense that like they're they're the check and balance on people that are talking nonsense. There's no more terrifying thing in life than when you tweet something and then five minutes later Tyler Dello retweeted it and you had to wait that minute to see if he was gonna say it was good or bad. You're like and it's something like, 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 right. you'll be like, hmm. You're I'm just like, like oh yeah. shit. It's like, oh God, what did I say about Alex Semin now? Let's either see. either I just reinvented the wheel or I'm gonna be taken to the fucking woodshed. <laughs> like one one time in a power rankings I threw in a line that just said like Taylor Hall's minus forty two in his last thirty eight games. Yeah, just yeah. just a complete throwaway line. And he he savaged that for like seven tweets in a row and I'm like Buddy, it's you a know, power you know what the I mean, like it's it's sometimes it's tough being like publicly just scoring like that. But it was even better <laughs> when he was still working for the Oilers because I'd get like 4 a.m. emails from him <laughs> that were just like, I'm assuming booze-filled, just tirades, but stuff that he could never actually go with publicly. So he's just like, I can't believe you just said this on this radio hit. I'm like, you were listening? What? <laughs> like, he, like, nothing escapes that guy. Uh, All right, real, real, brief, real briefly, um, what's your favorite thing about hockey in a general sense? I mean, I, I, I know there's, a, there's an intellectual approach to hockey, but is there a side? Do you have a side of your brain that is, is is the candy and sweets and unicorns and rainbow side. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, can you read a hockey story that's flowery? Can you appreciate a narrative and not have to... Do you like Greg's work, yes or no? That's bullshit. <laughs> I, I dabble in analytics. I try to be as smart as I can. I'm not very good at math. But, like, is there a part of you that, that needs that sort of, like... You know, Crosby uh, nutshot. Yeah, I was going to say, I read pause. some ridiculous. Was that, was that a Greg? <laughs> that was a Greg. That allows you to pause Moonlight and enjoy a Transformers movie now and again. Absolutely. And, and honestly, like, the reason why I got into this is because I, I think the sport of hockey by nature is incredibly captivating and fascinating and exciting. And that's why I get mad at everything the NHL does because they seem to just, like, be going out of their way to not just let it <sighs> spread its wings and flourish. Like, hockey is an amazing sport but the NHL as a league is absolutely atrocious at everything they do in terms of marketing and letting their players succeed and having any sort of modicum of fun and so that's that's that, that's where I'm at like I love hockey I hate the NHL <laughs> was, I think that's where a lot of people are to be honest with you by the way the way you started I thought we were going to get like a good like Herb Brooks two minute speech about the greatness of hockey and it ended with and that's why I hate the NHL <laughs> hey Dimitri where can people find your stuff um Follow me at Dim Filipovich on Twitter. Uh, I'm on I'm on Sportsnet. Uh, I do podcast articles there. Sometimes I'm on this little niche podcast, Merrick vs. Wyshynski. I've been on a few times there. I'm not familiar. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Puck soup. Yeah, yeah, that's, that. that's a good one. Uh, that, oh, and, oh that, that's the one with the logo with the toilet, right? Yes, yes. right. And real briefly, because we we mentioned it but never actually talked about it, what's it like getting paid to appear on an analytics panel? Oh, you get paid for that? No, I didn't know that. I thought you. I, just... I didn't get paid personally. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, people paid to come and watch. Oh, you mean people get paid? To, oh, I'm sorry. What's Other people like, benefited from, from my it, greatness. What's it what like to have people pay to listen to you at an analytics conference? I, it was it was uh, it was paid. an interesting experience. Yeah. Was, uh, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't have paid to watch myself talk. So about groupies hockey. then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns out hockey analytics it, it doesn't lend itself to a lot of female fans, unfortunately. No, no, you sure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A no. lot of dudes buy me drinks at bars and stuff, and they're like, oh, I've seen you on TV, but I, unfortunately with, with the ladies, something. it's not. Yeah. Yeah, no drinks. one asking about your possession rate after <laughs> your, 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 your high danger shots, as it were. How about your zone D- entry rate? D- yes. Wow, we're getting into 
It's a really interesting territory now. You, you want to carry it in tonight later? Huh? I really hope no one listens to this <laughs> <laughs> <Pucks> in deep. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks, Dimitri. Thanks to Dmitry Filipovich for stopping by. Very excited to have him here in the city, albeit briefly, and learn a thing or two about math. Yeah, we talked tacos. We talked pizza. I don't remember if we talked about that during. We didn't talk about it on the air. We talked. We tried to give him some food tips. The problem with coming to New York and being like, "Where's the best pizza?" is the answer is everywhere, mm-hmm. but also nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's they're they're, they're like. Um, is that is that the League of Shadows that are everywhere and nowhere? Yeah, but it's like even the like replacement level pizza in New York is still better than anything you're going to get elsewhere. In fact, when I was in when I was in London. Uh, we passed by a place called New York Flip. New York Flip. It's got it's got a New York pizza right. that you could eat, and right. you flip you. Fo- oh, sorry, not flip. Fold. New York fold. Right. You take the pizza and you fold it. You you, you, you turn you turn it in. You turn it in and fold it. After you're done washing your Premier League footy, <clears throat> you go get a slice. One brief thing about London, which I loved, even though I had the stomach flu the last like two days. Which, by the way, when you have the stomach flu and you try to soldier on because your wife's booked you a steak dinner. Maybe it's sometimes better not to yeah. order the Bernays. Um, oh. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, there's a game show network in London, and I found one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So one of the things they love in the UK and, and, and a lot of other places in Europe is watching darts. Love oh, darts. I know. Yeah. Love watching darts. I found a show, and anybody who's from the UK or is familiar with it will probably be nodding their head right now. It's called Bullseye. Okay. Wait, is it just like is it like poker on ESPN here? Or is it like a, like no, a TV show? About- it's a game show. Oh, it's a game where show. you are working in a team of two. Uh-huh. One person is answering questions, and then the other person is literally playing darts to try to like win stuff during the show. So it's like you answer a trivia question, okay. like like which character on horses round here used to say "bugger off" this jolly good shit show, blah blah, and then. John Boy, Winston. and then and then that's correct, and then like someone throws a dart to try to win a prize. Oh, okay. Oh, it, I, oh I was picturing them throwing darts. Yeah, it was to like a night. You from your answer. It's an hour long show from like the 1970s and 80s. They used to show it on Sunday after Sunday afternoons. But the best part about it Bullseye. is that at the end, all of the stuff you've won, which by the way is is shit. It's like a foosball table, and then like an exercise bike, and then like 20 pounds or some shit, like 200 pounds or some shit. You can then give all that up. To then actually play a proper game of darts where you have to beat, like, whatever the house score is. And then you win, like, the grand prize, which at the, I think the episode I watched was, like, a trip to Barbados. Hmm. And it was amazing. Does, does anybody ever not go for it? They the all go for it. Yeah. It's, it's great. And then some of them get it and some of them don't. Wait, so is the game we're going to play now where I have to throw darts no. and stuff? The I'm, game I'm, that we're going to play, this game darts. show, is something I'm really excited about. Um, okay. If anyone's a, a dedicated Puck Soup listener, if you're listening to this fucking nonsense, you probably are. I'm ready. Uh, you know that most of our games involve sort of a multiple choice. And that's why on today's episode of Puck Soup, we are playing a game in honor of Dave Lozo, a failed Anglophile who can't pronounce things and right. and tries to pretend he knows a lot of shit about London and the UK, but really doesn't. We are playing a game called London Tube Stop, UK Crime Series, or Sexual Slang. London Tube Stop... In the crime series, is in UK, crime UK series, crime series, or sexual slang, or sexual slang. Each of these things I'm about to read is either a stop on the London Underground. I can just picture you, just like Ruby. Can we just hang on one second here? I just want to write down the name of this tube stop. Real quick. A UK crime series, a a, a a television series that appeared at some point on 
television in the UK, not necessarily BBC, but in the UK. I'll come back to bed in a second. I'm writing down the names of shows that I'm looking up on IMDb. I'll be there in a minute. Or sexual slang, courtesy of our <laughs> friends at Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Which means that it's one person who decided to make a joke. Right. It's all it's. <laughs> like, no one says this in England. All right. Here we go. All right. London Tube Stop, UK crime series, or sexual slang. First up, we have Budgie. All right. There's no way that's a crime series. Let's say Tube Stop. Budgie is a crime series. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, broadcast on the ITV network between 1971 and 1972. Each episode was a complete story, usually depicting Budgie's involvement in some harebrained scheme to make money, usually somewhere on the wrong side of legality. So that's one wrong. I don't believe you. I'm Googling this. B-U-D-G-Y? B-U-D-G-I-E. Budgie. Like, a, like, a, like what they would call a bird in like Australia or something. Oh, yeah. That is, that's, that's what comes up. All right. Number two. Munting. <laughs> Tube Stop, UK crime series, or sexual slang? Sexual slang. Correct. To munt is to find and dig up a semi-decomposed corpse. One person then goes down on said corpse, whilst the other jumps on the dead person's stomach, causing the juices to be forced from all orifices. These are then drank by the person orally connected to the corpse. Oh, Munting. That, 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 that's a real thing. People do that all the time. Sure. One sure. for two. Porridge. Professor Munting. P-O-R-R-I-D-G-E. Porridge. I don't want that to be sexual slang, so I'm not going to guess that it's sexual slang. I'm going to say Tube Stop. Porridge is a crime series. It stars Ronnie Baker and Richard Beckinsale as two inmates at the fictional HNP Slade in Cumberland. Doing porridge is British slang for serving a prison sentence, porridge once being the traditional breakfast in UK prisons. Uh, Okay. One for three. That makes sense. Mud shoot. I'm just going to say tube stop because it hasn't been an answer yet. Correct. Okay. Mud shoot is a tube stop. I forget what line it is. I don't know if it's on Piccadilly or Bakerloo. It's just big dirt road. Is that what you're telling me? All right. Number five, barking. <laughs> this isn't the SATs. You don't have to take it this seriously. I do. I need to get, I got I to gotta bat at least 500 here. Tube stop. That's correct. Yes. Barking is the last line on the tube stop. And the only reason I know this is because when we were taking the train from Heathrow to London, uh, Ruby saw a dog on the floor of the subway, and she turned to me and said, do you think he's going to barking? Oh, God. <laughs> Which is a great joke. Good one, Ruby. Parkins Patch. P-A-R-K-I-N apostrophe S. Crime series. Correct. Parkins Patch uh, features PC Moss Parkin uh, play the lead uh, role of a police constable in the North York Moors. So what am I, what am I at this point? Five? You, you have uh, four of six. Oh, four Doing of quite six. well. All right. Doing quite well. Feel, 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 it's feel, good. It's right. Right? Right as rain. Cockfosters. <laughs> <sighs> Tube stop. That's correct. Yes. Cockfosters is... The last line Got on it. a tube stop, so when you're waiting for the train, you get to hear, you know, <laughs> Piccadilly line train to Cockfosters. Cock, what percentage of stops on the tube are actually fucking dirty-ass well, names? Like, I, I couldn't live there. I'll tell you about Mudshoot. <laughs> I, I, for a moment, thought that Mudshoot was a joke being played on tourists. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't actually exist. Right. It's just like, you know, it would be a right go <laughs> to, like, put Mudshoot, and then people would be like, Where's your mud shoot? And then we'd be like, <laughs> it's on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Monroe Transfer. Crime series. Sex. Come on. Um, a Monroe Transfer is one per- when one person sticks a tube in their ass and then sticks it in someone else's ass and shits in their ass, according to Urban Dictionary. But do you like how I tied tube into the answer? I get it. Yeah. So four for seven. Wait, is that right? Five for eight. Five for eight, yeah. So the, the, Mon- the poor Monroe person, whoever that is, that had that named after them. Chalk Farm. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it chalk, like like chocolate, or chocolate? No, chalk like, like you'd write on a blackboard. Okay. Chalk Farm. Chalk Farm. All right. Because that, that, yeah. if that's a sex thing, that's going to involve like putting chalk in animals' butts or something. That can't be what it is. Or it could be like a dried substance, if you think about it. Yeah. Crime drama. Tube stop. <sighs> it's interesting. You knew that it wasn't a sex thing because I was advocating for you to take it <laughs> to answer as a sex thing. But but you didn't. So, yeah, you got it wrong. That's my point. In- everything in England sounds like a sex thing. Chalk farm. Finally, Balcuzzi. B-A-L-L-C-U-Z-I. So like a koozie you put your balls in? Balcuzzi. Crime drama. That's correct. Yes. De- Detective John Balcuzzi. I knew that was going to uh, be his no, name. No, it's not a crime oh, drama. Oh, man. <laughs> Balcuzzi, get in here. Definitely sex slang. Uh, you place your nuts in a bowl of warm, warm water and uh, then have a girl put a straw into the bowl and blow bubbles under your balls. Rubber ducky is optional, of course, according to UrbanDictionary.com. Balcuzzi is a sex act. 500, sir. Five. 600. What? Oh, no, we're at the last one. Yeah, five, uh, five out of ten. So how do you feel about your knowledge of sex slang, London tube stops, and or UK crime series? Probably not as good as you did before we but, started doing this but, exercise. But like, like, uh, how long do you do the ball koozie thing before you move on to other stuff? Like, I mean, how long do you do it before it tickles? Right, like before it outright tickles. Because, like, I mean, at some point you have to be like, all right, that's the, like, because I mean, it's, it's a whole process. You got to get water. You got to go out and buy straws. Nobody just has straws <laughs> yeah. in their house. <laughs> you know, you know. I I always like to have straws in the house. I always like to have uh, bendy straws in the house. You never know when you might you know need one. Well, you have a kid, that, that, so you. She probably drinks stuff out of straws. It's funny. Like, I'm, so, I'm so irresponsible as a parent that I just I literally have my kid drink out of coffee mugs. Because, <laughs> huh. like, I know she, she, it has a handle, so I know she'll, she'll, she'll be able to hold it. But then, like, if she drops it, it's a giant mess, right? Then, then you got to go buy a new coffee mug. It's pretty dumb. But, like, it's, it's what I do. Balkuzi. See, if it was spelled C-O-O-Z-Y, I would have instantly said sex thing. The Balkuzi. It's too obvious to be a sex thing. Um, as we do uh, this show... Uh, the playoff races are solidifying. Kind of, kind of boring down the stretch. I mean, Real there's some. Obvi- listen, th- there's a couple of different ways to look at it. It's boring in the sense that the bubbles are kind of, kind of popping left and right as we as we speak. It's just the second wild card in the East. That's it. yeah, and then and then also yeah, and then the, the Kings have kind of fallen off. But I mean, obviously, it's a super exciting race for not only top of the league but top of the East, which is going to make you know a lot of. Uh, I mean, you know. It could be a situation where you you either have to play Pittsburgh or Washington in the first round or not if you're Columbus. Um, this Columbus renaissance, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, is something I didn't see coming. I have to admit. Well, because they're not good, so you never would expect a team that's not that good. <laughs> they are, they're, they are obviously games. a good team. Are they? Aren't they? They're okay. Hold on. Blue Jackets, schedule. Let me just... Because if I'm, if I'm correct... If, I, my, if my calculations are correct, Marty. And I usually am. Not really usually, but sometimes I am. 
Let me just get through all those W's in the middle of the season, all those L's afterwards. Right, so they've beaten right. their last four wins are against teams that aren't in the playoffs. The last five, last seven. The only team, the only playoff team they've beaten in March is Minnesota. You're trying to tell me the Devils aren't? A, oh, they right, beat the Devils that. three times. <laughs> Devils three times in Buffalo once. They actually lost. Oh, yeah, they blew the game against Buffalo, Philly, yeah. Florida, and the Islanders. They have they've beaten one playoff team in March. They're, they're the most smoke and mirrors team of all time. Maybe not of all time. Calgary was a real smoke. So you still you still expect them? They're going to be in the two three series. Do you think they could beat Pittsburgh in the first round if Pittsburgh is still diminished? If Pittsburgh doesn't have Latang, all bets are off. Right. If they have Latang and the French Mata, for the Tang, only Matabak, yeah. French for the Tang, French for the Tang. Yeah, that's what the French astronauts would eat when they go mm-hmm. into space or drink. But yeah, as as long as they have Latang, I think they'll be fine. Uh, t- Toronto, as we do this show, eighty one points. The Islanders seventy eight. To Tampa Bay seventy seven. Tampa, the uh, light lightning is it still going on, or do you believe that maybe they have they, their window is closing? The problem is that they only have uh, they they have a couple games against Boston left, but that's starting to look like that ship's going to sail. Or five points back, they do have a game in hand. So I mean, in theory, that, that they're still in business. Uh, but yeah, that one game left against Toronto is it? Trying to catch the team they're playing, and they don't have any against the Islanders. Toronto is just so shitty defensively that like I feel like they're. They're so susceptible to like losing seven of their last ten. Like they mm-hmm. just give up so many shots and so many great A chances. But I think Tampa they don't have enough players. Like they just have too many guys out. But I I think it's between Toronto and Tampa. I don't think the Islanders are gonna do it. Yeah, their third defenseman right now is like Roman Hammerlick, right? It's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well Jason Garrison is, is the modern day Roman Hammerlick. Which of those three teams do you want in? Because I go I go back and forth as to whether I want Toronto in Knowing that they're just going to get oh, I want shellacked. Toronto. Oh, I want Toronto. I want Toronto. I want the Toronto. The Toronto Caps will be a fun ass first round series. But Tampa Caps would be too with like a returning Stamkos or whatever. <sighs> and like and like, okay, personal <sighs> preference. I'd like Tampa to go on a run. I love going to Tampa. I love covering games in Tampa. Tampa's super fun. Ah, the Tiki Bar. The Tiki Bar, exactly. So, like, there's something to be said for being completely selfish about rooting for teams. At this point, by the way, notice who your favorite hockey writers are actively rooting for in the playoffs because it's usually the teams that they were, where they want to spend some time, i.e. everybody becomes a giant cheerleader for Chicago. <laughs> Right, Chicago. Again, if the Stanley Cup <laughs> final is Chicago Montreal every year, none of us would complain about. Right, that exactly. Ever. Although I would imagine Nashville now is part of that equation too. I think I think a lot of people who went to Nashville, maybe for the All Star Game or whatever, never really spent a lot of time there. All like, yeah, I'd love to go back to Nashville. Just no cross country flights, and in general, I don't want to have to cross the border four times. Yeah, but. Everybody's everybody giving Winnipeg terrible advice on their goaltending all year. <laughs> Don't make a trade. I mean, Pavlik's right there in your, in your <laughs> AHL team. Just maybe give him another chance. Maybe he's better now. Uh, Tampa. Were you, did we ever tell the story about Gentili in Tampa when he was um, Sean Gentili of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette when we were at post game and John Cooper was at the bar? No, go ahead. And he was there with like his family, like his I, mom and dad were there. I do remember that. Yeah, and he went to the jukebox and played Chelsea Dagger like six times in a row. <laughs> yes, he did. It was great. And we just sat there and like watched their reactions to it. It was fantastic. And like to be fair, we were twelve years old at the time, so we can't really blame us for being immature. But yeah, that, that's 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 the fun stuff about going out after games is is messing with parents of coaches who yeah. are in town to root for their child. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, the, the single greatest jukebox thing, for those who don't know, that happens on the road is when you're on the road with Pierre Lebrun. He, do, he, does, he does one thing all the time, which is he, he somehow finds on the jukebox uh, We Are the World mm-hmm. and plays it and sings it. 
We are the world, Cam. We are the children, Cam. And then one time we were covering the cup final in L.A. We went to a bar, and I don't even know how the fuck he did this. This is some prestige shit as far as, like, the magic he pulled. He found the Hands Across America theme on a jukebox. Oh, was that at the, the beach bar? That was at the beach bar, yeah. Because I don't remember that. I don't remember that jukebox being the kind that you can just go in there and like find old stuff. I thought it was like a flip through it kind of one. With yeah, like and he's like, how, yeah. On what CD would the Hands Across America theme be on? Now that's what I call charity songs. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the jock, jock, jock donations. <laughs> oh, it's a theme song from Red Nose Day. <laughs> um, so okay, if I had if, uh, dollar uh, dollars to donuts, why do I keep on saying that? What the fuck does that even mean? What does that even mean? Dollars to donuts? Did you hear that in England a lot? Is no, like I heard English a lot thing? in England though. <laughs> From bangers to mash, <laughs> <laughs> I would think I'd like to see Leicester City get back in. Again, I come back to the British game shows. It's the greatest thing ever because like Ball you could you could you could watch you could watch like the chase in, in the UK and there there are like questions about geography. And whatever, and you're like, yeah, I could totally be on this show. And then you get to the one that's like, in the first season of <laughs> of The Crown versus the Squirrel, <laughs> who played Delilah's mother? What was the name of the third guest on the seventh episode of Forty Towers? Yeah, and I said to myself, this is a horseshit question. But then I think, okay, but in the U.S., it would be like, you know, what what chicken chain did Kramer yeah. Kramer obsessed yeah. with on Seinfeld? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. What is Kenny Rogers roasting? All right. Dollars to donuts. Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, the current standings is how it'll finish. What what say you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. 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 Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, which means we'll get Montreal and the Rangers in the first round. Yeah. Who wins that series? Not asking for an official pick here. I know we have we've yet to do that. Um, I think Montreal would win that series. Okay. I don't think the Rangers' defense is good enough. But I think whoever wins that series goes to the conference finals. I'll say that. You think whoever wins Montreal? Oh, because just because of the Atlantic path? Because of the second, it's the, the the fucking setup in the East is so stupid this year. Where the sixth best team and the seventh best team are going to play each other in the first round. You might be right. And so. then and then you think Toronto gets in, or you want Toronto win, or you think they get in? <sighs> That's two separate questions. That's dollars and donuts right there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever put like Boston cream inside of a dollar bill? Wait, <laughs> is that Mike Babcock or Buffalo Bill? <laughs> oh wait, no, Mike Babcock is. Do you ever put Boston cream inside of a dollar bill? And this is. Do you ever put dollar uh, Boston cream inside of a dollar bill? That's also fucking Edgar the the bug from uh, Men in Black. <laughs> Give me donuts in water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Toronto's got Columbus right now. Because donuts have sugar, I just realized. Jersey, Buffalo, Florida, Detroit, Buffalo. Toronto. Toronto's probably got to get to what? I say points? nine and seven, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Dog, ten games left. <laughs> got to win five. <laughs> Give me the least. 92 points. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Islanders get in just because it's going to ruin everybody's fun. And they're really good at that. They're really good at like they've got a, a very tough road, but I feel like they'll get in just because it would be the the least thing the least thing we want to see happen 
and to see them against the fucking Capitals, you know, just who gives a shit? I don't want to see that. Was, somebody brought that up today, whether it was Kekalainen or um, there were some players, somebody asked about the format. They were like, I don't want to see the same teams every year in the first two rounds. And this way, if like Toronto gets in and plays the Caps, that's a whole fresh new series yeah, I haven't seen in like that, ever. That's just it. Toronto and the Caps, though, is such the argument for the old format, isn't it? Like, that's oh, yeah, the kind of right. weird matchup you'd see in the 1v8 one, one that you don't see anymore. So now you're saying so now the opinion is that we're ODing on on rivalry matchups. It's too it's I mean there's that there's the there's the fault in the fact that one of the three best teams in the NHL is going to get knocked out in the first round. There's there's nothing good about this format. If it was just straight 1 4 2 3 no crossovers, eh, even then it's stupid. There's I I I was I honestly god love the idea of realignment at first and now that I've seen it for like 4 years that's stupid. Yeah, thanks Detroit. Chicago's going to win the West. Fucking Kenny. Minnesota's going to finish second. St. Louis and Nashville jockeying for third and if you are in that position, you probably want to finish third and get Bruce Boudreau in a seven game series versus playing the Blackhawks in the first round, no? Yeah, I guess. How about St. Louis? Keep in mind that Jonathan Taves isn't on Minnesota, and he is, after all, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I'd rather play Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota's finally... Like, Minnesota's having that thing that I thought Columbus would have happened to it, where you they would just finally... They're getting a little wibbly-wobbly. And, like, I would rather... <clears throat> yeah, Nashville... I'd, if Nashville plays Minnesota, they'll be Nashville. Like if St. Louis plays Minnesota, they'll be Minnesota. San Jose, Edmonton, Anaheim... Anaheim and Edmonton kind of jockeying for home ice. Calgary in that mix, too. They might jump up. I mean, obviously, Edmonton-Calgary is the matchup you want in the first round. That'd be a, a really fun series. Uh, so Calgary would play. So Calgary's going to get... You get, you get San, Jose, San Jose, Anaheim, and Calgary-Edmonton. That's, that's what you want, right? Right off the hop? I kind of want to see Edmonton beat Anaheim. I just I want to see like a new young well, we fast all want, team come in and just you you want a young fast bag. team to beat Randy Carlyle. Yeah, I want all that. <laughs> like I don't want to see San Jose play. You want again? You, again, it's about new matchups. I don't. I don't. You want to? You want to see Kevin Bieksa sucking wind as Connor McDavid yeah. wheels him in the in the in the offensive zone? Oh, if that if that series happens, Kevin Bieksa will probably intentionally hurt Connor McDavid. <laughs> You're probably slash right. Slash him in the dick or something. <laughs> fucking Bieksa. And then everybody's like, if Edmonton Oilers had an enforcer. We're like, Lucic is right here. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, Lucic has literally probably served time in prison overseas, and we don't know about it. <laughs> if, if anyone's going to prevent that, it's going to be me All right. and Lucic. There's your, there's your look at the playoffs. And the time we have remaining on the podcast, it's time for our favorite segment, which is, of course, your uh, listener mail. Well, I mean, it's not Lozo's favorite segment. He always bitches about how poor the questions are every week, to be honest with you. What are the five best ever left-handed shooting players to actually guest star on a TV show? Over? I don't know. I don't know. Take all the Marvel movies and <laughs> recast every role with a player in the Eastern Conference whose name starts with an M. If we had to do those answers, we'd never start recording. We'd be, we'd be like out in the out in the bullpen, like, all right, um, Thor. <laughs> it has to be an Eastern Conference guy. Uh. Yeah, I'm, I get past that. <laughs> all right, Mitch Marner for Ant Man. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> our, our listeners are all stoned. Now I get it. Now, now it's cool. All right, F. Mary Kill, Blue Jackets fans, Penguins fans, and Sabres fans. These are this is from Ignore the Corsi. Oh, who must love this episode? Holy shit. Um, uh, this is obviously a question that deals with my problems online and not necessarily yours, but if I had to say it, I would, I would marry, oh, I'd marry Sabres fans because it can only get better. I would 
kill. I would kill Blue Jacket Sands because I have a feeling they're just angry. They're just angry. They're never not going to be angry. It would, it would end. In, it would end in somebody getting killed. And I would. And I would. I would bang Penguins fans because maybe I catch them on one of those good days. Yeah, they have good times and bad times, <laughs> peaks and valleys. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to marry Penguins fans because that's going to be good for years. Bang Sabres fans because of the same sort of thing. It'd be a good hate bang because there's like a lot of you know a lot of anger there. Yeah. And then, yeah, Blue Jackets fans throw. Them Plus, up, throw you know, bang us, banging Sabres fans. I mean, anything you do is going to be above expectation, <laughs> right? If you, as long as you don't go wide right. Well, no, like I'll show up and I'll, I'll show up. And I'll, see, the thing is, like, even if I show up and, I, and they're, I'm not what they want, they'll pretend I am and say that that's what they wanted all along. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Eichel McDavid. You see, Lainonen wants us to know that people in yeah. certain regions of Finland don't put, repeat this on the air. People are going to throw up. Other put mayonnaise on pizza, not just dipping, but as a topping. And he wants to know if this is blasphemy. So, like mayonnaise in place of sauce. Doesn't like matter. he said, topping, and and I think that uh, you see, we need to have a little bit more definition here. Like, extra mayo. is it is it is it a replacement sauce like buffalo sauces on a buffalo chicken pizza, or is it dollops it of mayonnaise like you would get mozzarella oh, cheese on a pizza, like a white slice where you get the yeah um, yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm going to throw up either way if we keep talking about this. Yeah. Well, just to make sure that you do, Chubbs wants to know, <laughs> I was at a place today that advertised peanut butter on their hamburgers. I refuse to try it. Your take? You know, there's a part of me, you know where I think peanut butter would be good? And I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but but just close your eyes and picture it for a second. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter on a turkey burger. I feel like that would be good. Not on beef, but on a, a turkey burger. I'm more into the beef idea than the turkey burger idea. Turkey burgers are... Hit or miss, man. They're either home runs or the grossest thing you're ever going to eat. And I feel like peanut butter doesn't go with that flavor, but I think it might go with like a beef, like a See, hearty like Angus burger, maybe beef noodle hearty. <laughs> it's uh, Yoda and the uh, and the the quick. The, what's the that fucking hand? Um, the the Mako hand from the commercial. No, the what, who's the little the little hand that makes the pasta? The hamburger helper. Yeah, hamburger helper. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The hand that makes the pasta. <laughs> Rebecca De Mornay in the hand that makes the pasta. <laughs> um, <laughs> Choking Matt McCoy to death. I would. Plate of pasta. I would. Pref- good. Nice job. Oh, yeah. I would prefer peanut butter on turkey burger then, because like if it's sh- a shitty turkey burger, then the peanut butter covers that up. Much like when I mm. give my dog pills, I put peanut butter on them. No cheese though. I, I don't think you can have no. beef, beef, peanut butter, and cheese. I barely understand fish and cheese together. Yet I understand a fillet of fish. That's the weird part. I don't think I've ever combined fish and cheese. And you've never had a filet of fish with cheese on it? Oh. All right. The idea of a fish sandwich from a fast food place is, is makes me vomitous. Okay, but this is this comes back. Somebody asked us about this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it real quick. Oh yeah. Was it a rash or no? No no. Anna Tower wants to know what are your feelings on Subway overly bready trash or semi competent healthier fast food? Overly, <sighs> I, I would go with semi competent healthier fast food, but it does. What do you say of that, by the I way? I haven't had Subway in so long. Yeah, neither have I. There used to be a Subway in Hoboken. They closed it, and they were going to open up a new sandwich place that was like a better version of Subway, and I forget like the, a Quiznos? the name of it is. No. Or Jersey Mike's? Oh, Jersey Mike's is good. I actually like... The best The best subs to me are... And, and, and the, those who are blessed with them will understand. Wegmans has the best subs. They're great. But I will say this about, about Subway, to go back to our previous question about... Well, that we turned into a question about fish and cheese, because tangents... <laughs> Um, they ask you whether you want cheese on a tuna sub at Subway. And I always found that to be kind of 
off-putting. Like, much, much like my campaign against tomatoes on sandwiches, like, you should have to ask to get it on a sandwich. It shouldn't just be placed there. Yeah. Cheese should be something you have to initiate mm-hmm. for a oh. tuna sandwich. It shouldn't be a thing where they're like, do you want cheese on it? Like, it's be- so common that yeah. they just want to get it Because I look at him like, are you, oh, I don't know, are you a fucking maniac? Like, well, who wants cheese on a tuna sandwich? Who's getting a tuna? Why would you get a tuna sandwich? But they ask somebody? you all the time. Try it. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to answer the question. I'm going to go bready, whatever. Because I feel like if you're getting a sub, even if it's like a low-fat turkey, whatever, like, you're still eating a shit ton of bread. Mm-hmm. And as I learned from Scott Pilgrim, Bread makes you fat. <laughs> bread makes you fat? Uh, oh, God, that's such a great movie. Um, all right. Uh, a couple more real quick. Uh, what is the correct direction to face in the shower, towards the shower head or away? Lots riding on this, says Jordan Little. Um, I'm scared. Why is he asking us this? Because <laughs> he wants to know where to plunge the knife. <laughs> <laughs> do you face the door to your bathroom when you're in the shower? When you shower, do you like to leave the front door unlocked or locked? Oh, I see what he's saying. Like when you're in the shower and you're not washing a particular part of your body, how do you just stand while the water's hitting you, I guess? Because like, you know, you, you turn around to hit certain parts. So I, I, I face the shower head so the water drips down my face so I feel like Triple H. <laughs> And like, wait, is that like I don't know? I don't know the reference because I'm I'm because then he he'll whip his hair back like when it's all wet. Oh, I was thinking more like the the the, the Colorado Avalanche in that video where they just like look up and give meaningful looks. Oh, like, you mean the their Imagine Dragons face, video? Imagine Dragons video, yeah, right? Yeah. Where it looks like Gabe Lanniscog just <laughs> shot his load in the sink. He did. <laughs> That's where you I'm put sorry. it. That's where you put it. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I've never I've never really thought about it. What do you? I mean, thinking about your last shower a few days ago. What do you? What do you um, think you did? When I showered before St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I kind of, I turn around while I'm in there. I don't really have a, I don't, it's, it's not like sleeping where like I have a side. Like I just, I don't know. When I'm at the gym, I face the wall unless I'm wearing my swim trunks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at the gym, I take baths. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Aaron wants to know, Starburst jelly beans, yummy in my tummy or only for a dummy? Um oh, yeah. Yummy, yummy. I'm going to say yummy in my tummy only for a dummy in comparison with Jelly Belly, though. Yeah. Any Jelly Beans are good. Yeah. Fin- like jelly beans. Finally, my, my kid want, like, gets those goddamn Jelly Bellies that, like, taste like skunk. It's like a game they play. Like, you spin a wheel and you either get, like, you taste the color and it's either, like, it's either, like, this is either amazing licorice or skunk. It's like, a, 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 it's like they sell those. So it literally tastes like a skunk. Yeah, spray. they have one that tastes like it's either like this either tastes like vanilla caramel or diaper or whatever. <laughs> like that's serious. It's, and it, she loves it. And then she. But they just spit it out. There's got to be a mess all over the place at the end of that it game. It is. It's yeah. a total mess. It's a gross game. And the way she plays it, she's got it rigged real nice, which she doesn't actually play it. She'll spin and get a color and be like, you try it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, finally, the, the, one, the one question we were really excited about. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon series or the Oceans movies, according to Kid Michael? Okay, here's my take is I think as a whole, all four, I even like the last one, the Lethal Weapon movies are better, but I'd rather watch the Oceans movies. That's how I feel. Because like, if you set, like, you could set the most beautiful well-shot, well-acted, well-written movie and then do it three more times, I would rather watch the mediocre one in Vegas that involves a heist every single time. Not that that's a mediocre movie, but just I'm just saying that's that's my standard. So I'd rather have three good Vegas movies as opposed to four maybe a little bit better cop movies. Height of their powers, best movie in the series, Oceans is 
better than Lethal Weapon 2. Yes. Lethal Weapon 2 is great. Uh, I don't know. Ocean's, uh, Ocean's, Ocean's 11 is better as, as a flick, I think. I feel like the first two Lethal Weapons are better than anything in the Ocean's I think the, prob- the problem I have with the Lethal Weapon series is that, I mean, the Ocean's movies have an interesting trajectory in, in the sense that, you know, the, 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 the quality is sort of decreasing. Mm-hmm. I would say like three is not three is the best one with Rene Russo. That's not good with the it's that's, killer bullets. That's good. I mean, it's good. But like and then, that, and that's then four, the four is the not good over. one with the Jet Li. That was I kind of like, I like that one better than three. Four had some high spots. But the, the weird thing about the Lethal Weapon movies is the first one is a completely different tone than like the fourth one. Yeah. Like the fourth one's basically like a it's like, like, a, it's like a family buddy. It's cop like a family movie. buddy yeah. cop movie. And the first one's like. Crazy psycho cop. Right. <laughs> will Martin, he? Martin Riggs may eat a bullet at some point in <laughs> yeah. this movie. Will he kill himself or will he do that shoulder trick to get yeah. it out of a straitjacket? <laughs> so it, it's a weird comparison because the first one's almost like in a completely different series than the other three. And like the, again, Ocean's Ocean's Twelve really brings down the value of the of the trilogy because Ocean's Twelve, from what I understand, they wrote it and shot it as like a on a plane on a cocktail cocktail napkin. No, no, no. The thing I read was. <laughs> The, the the whole the whole theme of the movie is how hard it is to do a sequel, and so they're doing a second Which, heist. Yeah. And so the whole theme of the movie is about how hard it is to do a sequel after doing a great movie like Ocean's Eleven. Meanwhile, Lethal Weapon was like, we're just going to do a second good fucking awesome movie. Right. We're not going to try to be clever about and it. Bring, and, that's why it's and bring and bring post Goodfellas Joe Pesci on it. Yes. Yeah. Which right. is genius. Right. They weren't like, oh, um, this is going to be so hard. They just did a fucking I, good movie. I uh, by the way, uh, Jurassic World is also a movie about how hard it is to make a sequel. And it if is. you watch it through that prism, it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Lethal Weapon movies. I think I think top to bottom better better, better movies. Better. Or you rather watch and i also i would rather watch i really love those characters man like i watched a lethal weapon movie might have been three a couple of months ago is it weirder to watch it now that you know mel gibson's a gigantic anti-semitic racist though no more than it is to watch carl reiner oh wait no just jokes just jokes carl reiner is not a raging he's you know, on Conan. i know he's, he's, like, he's the best that was a joke or, um, um the, no the, I, I i listen i i think the oceans movies are fantastic you and i quote them a lot we love those movies would i rather i would rather not watch there's like 10 movies i'd rather watch than oceans 11 oceans 13 is something i put on in the background oceans 12 i will i'll t- watch the guy break dancing through the lasers the laser yeah thing. and then julia yeah. roberts shows up and i'm just like Nish. yeah Bruce, and then you have to and then you oh then Bruce you have to suffer you have to suffer through the whole fucking ending with Catherine zeta jones oh my god there's gonna be a fire alarm Wow, they were testing for like an hour and 20 minutes. And we didn't even hear one. Wow, that's crazy. Do you think we died and now we're in an hour? Now we're, or, is... now are we the leftovers? That's a good question. The whole Catherine Zeta Jones and her father thing at the end was stupid. I don't, we have to suffer through that in Ocean's 12. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always shut that off before that, that part. But uh, to do three heist movies in Vegas, I think you can't do 13 without 12. Like, you couldn't do back to back Vegas heist movies. Yeah, you have to have the failure of 12 to do 13. Right. <laughs> right. Right. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are like, I'll come back and do it again. Sure. Yeah. Also, the other weird thing, too. Oh, by the way, we're, we're ranting here. But did you know, do you know what Topher Grace's real name is? No. Christopher. He calls himself Topher because his because, name is Christopher. So use the last part of, like, if I change my name to right. Gory? Gory. Gory. And I was Vid. <laughs> I don't know Vid how, Lozo I sounds don't... like a fucking member of the Sex Pistols. 
Yeah, right. I just, I just want rock and roll. <laughs> Listen, Topher. He calls himself Topher. Bottom line, bottom line for me on Lethal Weapon, uh, movies are better, and also they keep adding things that make them better, like Pesci in two, Chris Rock, Rene Russo Rene in three, Russo. Chris Rock in four. That's that's some that's that's great. What do you get by the time you get Ocean's Thirteen? You get the our actor formerly known as Al Pacino, right? <laughs> Which apparently I read about that too. That he, he, they shot all his all his scenes in like a week to get him in and out real quick. Yeah. Once you once you there's it's a, I love reading stuff like that and then like something about a movie clicks into place like oh that's why it sucked. I, I love your game, and I think it'd be perfect for our casino in Biloxi. <laughs> oh no, sir! Show enough belongs here in Las Vegas. Not Biloxi. Come on, you know what it is. What was it? You know the town where, Jackson, where games go to die. Come on. What was it? Tallulah, Mississippi. Now that I forget, now Tupelo. Tupelo. Oh, I'm sorry, a Tupelo Casino. <laughs> That's where games go to die. <laughs> I'm willing to do for him what I'm willing to do for her. Set a placement, open a night, my casino. <laughs> There's a lot of holes in that movie. Well, the whole to... movie's fucking horseshit. I mean, it involves like bacteria and pumping smells into places, right. and 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 John Cheadle is evil, can evil. Right. Yeah. But I'll always put it on. <laughs> Just, I'm telling you, if you were stealing shit in Las Vegas, you will I will you will get my two hours of attention every time. You are you going to pull a heist this weekend? Are you going to knock I can't off? Really talk about it. Because on a fight night, the Bellagio, the Mirage, <laughs> and the MGM Grand and their vault, their shared vault, despite being in completely different parts of the strip. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't ruin the oceans movie very <laughs> With my geography. <laughs> All right, you gotta go, I gotta go. Uh thanks for listening to this episode of Puck Soup. Uh, thanks to Dmitry Filipovich for joining us and being smart. Uh, we'll try to be smart, too, thanks to him, thanks to his, his inspiration. Did you ever know um, my, my math hero? Um, that's all I got. Thanks. Uh, at Wyshynski on Twitter. Read me on Puck Daddy. Listen to my other podcast, Merrick vs. Wyshynski. Buy both of our books, the one I wrote with Lozo. The 100 greatest players in, uh, of all time in NHL history and other stuff. And then also take your eye off the puck. How to watch hockey one everything look. And here's Lozo in the waning moments where he has to run to a Rangers game. Um, make, sure you, make sure you tune in tomorrow. I got a, I got a, good, I got a good thing based on our boss, Jonah Carey. Which, uh, which, uh, which place can they find it? Uh, it's going to be at the comeback. And uh, basically, if you like player trade value rankings and, and you enjoy Twitter feuds and you like Jonah, you're, you might you might you might enjoy this thing. That's Jonah Carey, <laughs> a Twitter feud, <laughs> old boss, <laughs> old boss, bitter asshole <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> old boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh shit! It was a stolen bit. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Now leaving Nerdist.com. dot <laughs>